Alright, hi guys. Thank you so much for listening to In the Limelight. Um, I am so excited today because we are welcoming someone who has become a friend and a fellow Global Limelight supporter, Dr. Casey Kelly, um, who is based in Chicago. Dr. Kelly is one of the smartest and most selfless people I know. She works tirelessly to improve the lives of not just Lyme patients, but anyway, anyone suffering in any way with a rare medical condition. Um, and I feel like this is very rare to the medical system, or at least we can feel like it is because we see so many doctors that don't believe us. So this will be a really special conversation. A little bit of background on Dr. Kelly. She recently opened her own practice, Case Integrative, in Chicago. Dr. Kelly graduated from The Ohio State University College of Medicine and completed her residency in family medicine at St. Joseph Hospital in Chicago. She is a 10-year member of the Institute of Functional Medicine, a director on the board of the International Lyme and Associated Disease Society, or otherwise known as ILADS, and is a founding member of the Academy of Integrative Health and Medicine. Prior to founding Case Integrative, Dr. Kelly practiced medicine at Whole Health Chicago, Michigan Avenue, Immediate Care, and St. Joseph Hospital. So thank you so much for joining us yeah, today. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. I am too. Isn't it always so weird, like, hearing somebody talk about you? Like, <laughs> I just want to, like, bury myself. Um, <laughs> and then I also would just like to preface this conversation with the fact that Nothing in this podcast is meant to treat or diagnose um, a medical condition. If you feel like anything we discuss sounds like you, I will link um, Dr. Kelly's practice if you would like to reach out in the comments, and I will also link the GLA Find a Doctor tool. Just have to say it, so there are no lawsuits. God forbid. (laughs) Disclaimer done. Yeah, disclaimer over. Um, All right. So again, thank you for being with us. And I realized, you know, as I was writing out like our conversation guide, because I have line brain and can't remember what I want to say, that I actually like of all the time I've spent with you, I don't know that much about your personal line story and like what brought you um, on this journey of being an LLMD. So I wanted to kind of hear that from you. My story goes back. It starts in college. Um, High school, I was super active, track, dance, show choir, all kinds of things. And I got to college, and I I didn't have the same stamina anymore. My dorm was on top of a hill. I would get short of breath. I couldn't go to the gym anymore. I was Mm -hmm. just exhausted all the time. And I thought it was just college load, you know. Um, And I got diagnosed with asthma, which is was totally incorrect, but I had shortness of breath, so that's where they went with it. Um, and it just kind of slowly progressed over time. And by the time I got to med school, it was out of control. And I, again, I just thought it was school. I thought, yeah. I'm in med school. It's hard. Of course, I'm tired. But I was so tired, I could barely eat. I could barely function. You're on your feet for 12 hours a day, and then you have to study for another 12 hours a day. So there's really not much time for anything else in med school. Um and in med school, I actually, though, got diagnosed with POTS. Okay. Postural orthostatic tachycardia. Um, and tried a couple of different medications, and nothing really helped, but at least there was something. I was like, okay, there is something going on. I also got diagnosed with ADD um, in med school. I didn't take any medicine for it, but my brain wasn't working properly. So all of these kind of diagnoses started to pile up, but I really still didn't have any kind of relief from the symptoms. Um, and in med school, I also started to just get really frustrated with learn how to diagnose something, give it a medicine, 
give us another medicine mm-hmm. for the side effect of that medicine, give another medicine for the side effect of that medicine that you gave, you know, all that started to get really frustrating and nobody in med school is asking why, which was really frustrating me as well, um, which we'll come back to later because that's kind of how I got into <laughs> integrative stuff. Um, but back to me, I'm in my health. So in med school or in residency is when it really, really came to a head and didn't feel well and on rounds people would ask me questions and there was nothing left in my brain I could barely stand up because mm-hmm. I felt like I was going to pass out from the pots and people were asking me these questions and people's you know lives were in my hand because I was yeah. there as a you know physician it really gets me and it was it's just exhausting um and I almost quit and I didn't like the kind of medicine that was being practiced I didn't like how I felt. I didn't think mm-hmm. this was the right path for me, but I, you'd come so far. Yeah. You know, you're almost done. Yeah. Right. So I stuck it out. I'm glad I did it in hindsight, but it was brutal. It was, it was rough. Um, but through that process, I learned about integrative medicine and functional medicine and started to realize that there were other kinds of ways mm-hmm. to approach medicine. And so through that, I was able to learn more about my own health. Mm-hmm. I got some adrenal fatigue under control. I got gut healing mm-hmm. started to improve, but nothing really was still fixing anything. And so that's when I eventually figured out Lyme could be an issue. My mom had chronic fatigue syndrome. Um, no one knew why, knew anything about it at the time. She passed away when I was 20 from lung cancer, so I can't talk to her about it. Mm-hmm. So I have no idea if I caught anything from her or if it was just environmental um but um I eventually started to learn more and heard about Lyme disease and put it off for a little while because it's controversial yeah and I was afraid I didn't want to know that can't be it Mm -hmm. no (laughs) but I eventually got over the fears and dug into it a little more and, and was diagnosed with Lyme and it just made sense and so um when you start to kind of pull that string on the sweater, you can't stop yeah. until the whole thing's unraveled. And in getting my health improved, I started to look for another patient's yeah. and start to see their health improved. And once you start seeing people get better, people who have seen 20 doctors and been told it's all in their head and here, take your psych meds, and they know there's something wrong with them, and you see that and you help them get to health, it's incredible and it makes it all worth it. Yeah. And you can't stop doing it. Yeah. You just have to keep learning more and more and more ways to help more and more people. Um, and so, and I was one of those people. I dug into it for myself. I wanted to know how to heal myself. So I did meds, I did herbs, I did IVs, I did the whole works. You were like your own guinea pig. I am totally my own <laughs> guinea pig. <laughs> Which is why people trust you so much. Yeah. Um, I've been there, I've been through it. And out of curiosity, like at any point, during your schooling was Lyme disease ever like taught or brought up or no um not to my knowledge like we talked about syphilis which is Lyme's dumb cousin (laughs) it was kind of a joke because syphilis is also known as the great mimicker because it can mimic a lot of things just like Lyme is that the one that's corkscrew Mm -hmm. as well exactly yep yep it's a spirochete bacteria just like Lyme um and so I would put it on every differential okay in med school as kind of a joke you know, it could be syphilis because yeah. it's the great mimicker. But very little was also taught about syphilis, too. It was, here's a rash. You can get yeah. this. You give IV penicillin, and it's done. Um, but very little was taught about Lyme. Yeah. And, it, and if it was, it was just a very 
superficial, here's a tick, here's a rash, here's two weeks of antibiotics, you're done yeah. kind of thing. It was no no more in-depth than that. I don't remember anything else about it. That's just crazy. And now, you know, I was just thinking about, like, Lyme syphilis being the great imitator and how there is no, with Lyme, there's really no way to die. Like, there's no accurate way, I guess, like, straightforward blood test to diagnose it. So as a doctor that treats so many Lyme patients, like, how do you handle that? You have to be really comfortable living in a gray world and not a black and white world. Um, So you have to kind of lean into that discomfort and if you actually, if you read the CDC's website, Lyme is a clinical diagnosis. Yeah. So you don't need any blood work whatsoever to diagnose it. You just mm-hmm. need a clinical and history. So if you take a really good history, often you can kind of piece together some exposure risk. Yeah. Um, and if not a tick, because some people have a tick and then it's a lot more obvious. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's history and clinical, so exam and history. Okay. And that's really all you need to diagnose it. And the labs are supportive. Yeah. And there's different labs out there. There's some better ones. We need better ones than we have, for sure. But you have to kind of be comfortable actually knowing what the tests are, what they mean, that the CDC positive is only meant to put a dot on a map for surveillance. It's not meant to diagnose it. So you have to know what the bands mean. You have Mm -hmm. to know which ones are Lyme-specific. You have to be able to learn how those all work. Um, And then use that along with the history and physical exam to diagnose it. Um, no, I, I'm really happy actually that you just said that, and I'm going to pull that for my quote cards. I mentally have to remember like the note 294. Um, but I think that's something a lot of people don't understand is that the C- CDC quote I'm making air quotes right now um, testing for Lyme it was never meant to be a diagnostic tool, and I mean there's like all these conspiracy theories you can get into that we 100% will not get into, um, but. That's what's, like, part of what's, like, so disappointing about this whole thing is that people are just suffering because doctors, traditional, I guess, doctors are just uneducated about how to diagnose and, like, what can be considered Lyme because it can be a clinical diagnosis, like mm-hmm. you said. Um, anyway, before we spend 40 minutes talking about that, because I, I think I could, um, on your about page, you say that integrative health is the medicine of why, and I think that because like I've been treated that way, you know, a mix of like Western homeopathic Chinese medicine. Like I get it, but what does that mean for like listeners out there? Like why do we need integrative medicine versus just traditional medicine? That's a great question. I kind of alluded to that earlier, why I was so frustrated in in med school because we're not taught, at least I was not, and maybe it's changed at this point, but I wasn't taught to really dive into the understanding of what was going on. So it was, here's what diabetes is. Here's how you diagnose it. And here's the meds to treat it. It wasn't, why does this person have diabetes? Mm -hmm. Is it diet? Is it genetics? Is it, you know, what other factors are playing a role in this? That was not how I was taught. It was, here's the diagnosis. Here's how you treat it. Mm -hmm. And there was this lack of curiosity. Why did they have that? Because if you can figure out why you have something, then you treat that why, then the body will help heal itself. Yeah. So, and that's, you know, Lyme can mimic a lot of things, multiple sclerosis, rheumatoid arthritis, Parkinson's. So you need to start to look when someone gets a diagnosis like that, what could be underlying it? Now, it's usually more than just Lyme, if Lyme is there. Mold toxicity, 
detox issues, heavy metals, you know, there could be a lot of different things going on. But if you start to peel away those layers and treat the underlying source of what at a cellular level Mm -hmm. is causing the issue, then the person's going to get better or is much more likely to get better Mm -hmm. at, at least. So to me, integrated medicine and functional medicine is why. It's very science and evidence-based, but it's trying to go back to the underlying cause or the root cause of what's making somebody sick. That makes sense. And you would think that that's how everyone should think. You would think. You know, (laughs) I I don't know if conventional Western medicine is really very, very good at the asking why. I think Chinese medicine is very good at asking the Mm -hmm. why. Um, And I think conventional medicine is fantastic when your appendix bursts yes you know there's a lot of great things about our medical system um but i think there's a lack of curiosity and i think some of that is really hurting our patients and with that you know one of the things um that i wanted to talk about with you was you know you as now that i've come to understand as even as a medical student, you were starting to ask questions and like question things and you had that genuine curiosity as to how to help people, how to help yourself. And most of the time, I feel like we don't see that with like, especially like new students coming out, they kind of just like listen to what they're told or what they learned in their residency. And what advice would you give to someone Um, that is either still learning in medical school or is just entering the medical field? It's kind of a loaded question, Alex. (laughs) I tend to try and talk people out of going to med school um, just because it was really rough. Um, And I I think what happened, you just do tend to kind of fall in line. There's a lot of information being thrown at you when you're in med school. It's coming at you with a fire hose. And it's a different level um, of education than you had before. And... So a lot of people are just trying to kind of stay afloat and get through it kind of thing. But I think the biggest thing, if you're in there, far be it for me really to turn people away, especially people who are interested in in asking why, because we need people like that in the medical field. So I think keep your wits about you. Know that there are other ways to look at things. You've got to kind of learn the conventional Western medicine basic, Mm -hmm. you know, scaffolding of of how to approach things but know that there's more to it and be curious and seek out other practitioners or or or, um, role models who practice in a different way to help you get through it and to help you see the other side of things Mm -hmm. and different groups like the institute for functional medicine um or i um IHM to find other kind of providers who do look more holistically as the, at the system as a whole um, and, and look for it that way and look for that support in that world. Yeah, I, was, I, I was really interested to ask you that because it just, you know, I keep going back to this one experience that I had with um, one of my husband's friends. His wife is a nurse in Michigan, in like a very woodsy area of Michigan. And we um, took a trip with them earlier um, in the fall and it just so happened to be right after a close friend passed away from like a Lyme associated um, thing and I remember her saying to me asking me about like my own experience and saying oh well if you didn't find the ticket can't be Lyme and like if you well it has to be attached for 48 hours and, and if you don't have a and I was just like I like 
literally had to leave and go up to the hotel room because it was just such like a triggering time. And I was thinking to myself, like, you're young, you're a nurse, like you work in a children's like doctor's office. Like it should be one of the first things you look for if a child comes in and like is complaining of all these like random issues or like has a bullseye, like you should immediately know that you should be treating that child. And it just like kind of mortified me that people are still so close minded in 2019. Yeah. It just like killed me. Um, I think they're better on the East Coast. Yeah. Because it's more in their face. It's definitely more under the radar, but it's still highly prevalent here yeah. in the Midwest. Um, and again, it's not how they're taught. And so that's, you know, and we, we tend to trust the people who are teaching us that they're telling us the truth, that they're yeah, teaching us true. the truth, right? Um, but. I think it's always good to be skeptical and, and ask why and go tell me more and, mm-hmm. and, and figure out what may be underlying all of that. But everything she said was pretty much false. <laughs> yeah, I know. And that's why I was like, like go read the new guidelines. Um, yeah. So getting back to you, because this is all about you, um, I give you a lot of credit for being an LLMD just because like in the short period of time that I've been involved in GLA, like I hear horror stories from people um, and just the gut wrenching stories of like fellow warriors that, you know, can't afford treatment or like slowly dying really because of this illness is like picking them apart. And I don't even think that comes close to what you hear and deal with on a daily basis, owning your own practice Um, or even when you were at whole health, like I know that you were so busy with people and there's so many people that need help. And I'm curious, like in the, in the midst of treating such an insidious disease, like how do you stay positive and keep yourself mentally healthy? It's a great question. And it's not, it doesn't just apply to me. It applies to everybody with this because it's such an isolating illness Mm -hmm. because you don't look sick and people don't understand Lyme. So they think you can take an antibiotic for two weeks and you're done. They understand cancer. Mm -hmm. They make team t-shirts for you and go on walks for cancer for you, right? But they don't understand Lyme whatsoever. Um, And so it really will teach you who your friends are. Absolutely. And can be really tough because it's hard to find the support that you really need for this really invisible illness, Mm -hmm. right? So it's really important to stay on top of your own mental health. The analogy um, or the metaphor, I guess, where you have to put your mask on first before you help other people. Yeah. I use that a lot. So there's a lot of self-care that goes on, and I have to do it on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. If I miss a day, I can tell. So I actually wake up early, so I have time in the morning by myself. Before my kid wakes up, (laughs) before my husband, well, no, he wakes up now too. My dog wakes up with me. Um comes and hangs out with me but I have time in the morning to get my mind wrapped around things and I will do like a brain tapping um audio app um I'll do guided imagery I'll read a book by Brene Brown I will do gratitude gratitude's huge I will send thank you letters to people I will um make a list of what I'm thankful for um I used to do some DNRS or uh, dynamic neural retraining system. If you haven't heard about that, it's a great one for Lyme. Check it out. Retrainingthebrain.com. I have no financial incentive with them. I just think like what the program they have is fantastic. Um, It's helped a lot of people. 
um, things like that. I also find music really helpful, so I listen to a lot of music. I have different playlists to help pump me up. What kind of music do you like? Um, usually upbeat, happy stuff. So it really kind of depends on the exact mood, but it's a lot of just empowering, happy stuff, you know, or, you know, uh, oh my gosh, what's the artist's name? Rachel somebody, but the fight song. Oh, yes. Yeah. Things like that. And I'll just, you know, if I'm washing dishes, I'll put on that music and I'll get pumped up for the day. Um, and you have to kind of prepare yourself. Um, and think about the little different ways that you can help fill your cup on a regular basis. Um, and I'm here, you're right. Listening to a lot of horrible stories. A lot of times I have a crystal on my desk from a friend who's supposed to help, you know, kind of absorb some of that. Um, and I try to make sure that I'm protecting myself too, because I do tend to be pretty empathic. So I take on a lot of it. So I have to make sure I'm, like, letting some of it so out. So you're so good at what you do. Oh, thank you. Because you're an empath. <laughs> yeah. well, and I've been there, yeah. right? And so it's like, yes, I know what you're feeling. I know what you're going through. Um, and some of these things, are they're heart-wrenching. Yeah. But the other thing I will do is celebrate the victories. So we don't have it here in this office yet, but in the new one for sure, um, we're going to have a disco ball. Oh, I love that. And I'm not kidding. Like, we're going to have a disco ball drop with music and lights when people have a breakthrough. When we have someone we can celebrate and have, you know, that victory in that moment. Yeah. Even if it's a little one. Because we have to pay attention to the good stuff. It's yeah. so easy to focus on the bad stuff and how crummy we feel. Yeah. And how hard it is. But if we can start to flip that narrative and start to celebrate those victories, even if they're little ones. Yeah. And then really celebrate the big ones and, you know, take joy in that. It can change your outlook on things and that's what those are some of the things that I've found to help me okay deal with all of it and I like that and that's great advice um for like our fellow Lyme warriors listening to start you know taking even if it's five minutes in a day mm-hmm. and writing down a few good things that happened to them or a few breakthroughs they had no matter like how small they are right. um and that's why like on social media lately I've been creating these like little cards and it'll be like three strong women I admire or three positive things that happened to me last week um because I just think it's so easy to get caught up in the like why is this happening or why do I feel this way or I have this new weird symptom and in reality it's you know maybe you've come a lot farther than you think you have so I'm like that's something my mom says to me all the time you know when I get frustrated is like Hey, like two years ago, you were bedridden and now you're like semi-functioning. Like that's not too bad, you know? <laughs> so yeah, it's hard to like sometimes get yourself out of that mindset, but I really like that. And if you wouldn't mind sending me like some of maybe the resources that sure. you use, I can link them here Absolutely. for people. Yeah. I'm sure people would really like that. Um, so this might be a next loaded question as maybe some of the other ones have been that I didn't realize. So as a mother, doctor, and a successful business owner, how do you balance all of that? Does it all come back to, like, your self-care in the morning, or is it more than that? That's a huge part of it. It's a huge part of it. And I think it's it's probably true for most working moms out there. You never necessarily feel like you're giving your all in any one thing because you're so spread out and there's mm-hmm. a lot of different hats you have to put on. Um and I appreciate you saying I'm a successful business owner. We've been open for two weeks. Yay. I know, but, but it is a success so far. There's a lot so of far, planning right? that goes into that. There's a, it's in, it's incredible 
the amount of work and detail that goes into starting a business. It's been really interesting learning about all of it. Yeah. Um, but I just have to remember to not burn the candle from both ends. Make sure sleep is a priority. Make sure self-care is a priority. And really try, you know, when I'm home with my daughter, I'm with her. And I try to be present with her and not talk about work all the time. And then when I'm at work, I try to be at work. Mm -hmm. It's not always easy. I'm not necessarily good at it. (laughs) Um, But, I mean, the other thing, too, is asking for help. You know, reaching out to friends, reaching out to family and say, I I'm, I'm not superwoman. I cannot do it all. Yeah. So being unafraid to say, hey, I need help. some help. Can you come do this? Or, or hiring help or whatever we yeah. need to do so that it's not all on my shoulders. And having a good support system of friends and other women who are in business, other women who are working moms, other women who are not working moms, um, you know, and a really strong supportive husband too, um, which I'm very thankful for. That those are the kind of outlets and things that you need, and kind of talk to other people about how to do it all. Because um, I'm Lord knows I'm not perfect at any of this stuff, but yeah. I feel like I'm doing the best that I can and doing a pretty good job. And um, my kids happy, my patients are happy, my husband's happy, and most importantly, I am. So. Good. That's all you can ask yep. for. Yep. You always have to come first. That's <laughs> true. Sure, I did put my hair mask on first. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Um, okay, so I just have a few more questions for you. So I did want to ask you about, well, I know that there's no foolproof way, right, not to get Lyme disease because people find ticks all over their body in, like, very strange areas, and we don't actually know, like, how else it can be contracted. What tips on prevention can you give? Like, what are your favorite preventative methods? So there's there's several. Um there are th- things called tick tubes, okay. which you can actually make yourself with some toilet t- toilet paper rolls and cotton balls soaked in permethrin, okay. oh. which you can buy from REI or some other sporting goods store. It's a, um, it's a bug spray. Um, and you put them around your yard. Mice take them. Oh. Take the uh, cotton balls and go back to their den and cover themselves with it because mice are big carriers. It doesn't harm the mice, but it kills the ticks. Um, you can put them all over your yard spring and fall. That's what I okay. usually do. And be careful of if you have pets because it's toxic for dogs. So you don't okay. want them to eat it. Okay. Um, but since doing that, I found way less ticks on my dog. Okay. And don't. And this was mostly in Indiana, but they happen in the city too. So okay. you can still put them in the city if you have a yard. Because um, we still have mice and rats and other things in the city. Yeah. And birds. Birds carry all this stuff too. And birds will take the cotton back to their to their layers. Layers. Hmm. Um, the other thing is if you're going to be out, like if you're going to go out and hiking and you know you're going to be in tall grass or going golfing, which a lot of yes. people don't think about, um, have those clothes sprayed in permethrin. Okay. You can spray your clothes down with permethrin, let them dry, and then they're good for about six to eight washes. Really? Um Tuck your pants into your socks. Look really cool. Just rock it. <laughs> um, and you can also then use really safe bug spray on your skin. So you don't okay. want to put the permethrin on your skin. So you want to get... Um, I use different um, bug sprays that have uh, a lemon eucalyptus oil in it. Okay. Um, Ranger Ready, I think, is a brand okay. associated with GLA, actually. I think yeah, I a partnership. Um and there's some other ones out there, but that's safe for your skin, so you definitely want to spray your skin. Okay. Um, and then do tick checks when you come back off in the yard. And, you know, a lot of people will even shower afterwards. Um, if they're embedded, that may not help, but mm-hmm. it can kind of just 
kind of feel like you at least are looking at all aspects, but they're tiny. Some of them are the size of a period on your piece of paper. So you're, you know, we're going to miss these things, but, um, do the best that you can. Don't be afraid to go outdoors because outdoors is so healing. I think the benefits of that far outweigh the risks of staying inside, but you just have to be mindful of what you're doing. Um, if you live in an endemic area, you can take a stragglers on a regular basis. It's not necessarily good for people who are already sick, but Mm -hmm. if you want to help prevent, you can take a stragglers on a regular basis. Okay. Um, and treat your pets because if your pets get fleas and ticks, they're going to bring them into your bed. Yeah. You know, or if you let them in your bed or your couch or whatever, they're going to bring them inside. So make sure your pets are treated too. Yeah. I think that's something, you know, dogs, I think it's like yearly or maybe every six months they get their like Mm -hmm. tick and heartworm or whatever. But we, I don't know. I mean, we have like, they're basically, I have two poodles. They're basically indoor dogs. They're sissy pants. And I even, I still chuck their paws. Uh So we do have a backyard, even though we're in the city. And their ears. Yeah. People just forget. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's this misconception that you can't get a tick in the city. And in reality, like, and I don't know if this is correct or not, I am not a medical professional, but I feel like if there's animals around, even Mm -hmm. like birds, mice, rats, like it has to be here somewhere. It is. Even if it's not as frequent. I had a patient who got a tick when they were sitting outside at a restaurant in Chicago. It happens. Oh, my God. I'm going to just become a bubble girl. <laughs> no, don't live in a bubble. I don't mean that to scare you. I just, no, I know. We, I need, just, we just need to be mindful and be, you know, aware. Aware of it. And, you know, use tick spray. Yeah. And that's use the number one spray. thing is being mindful and aware. And so many people aren't. Um, so if someone's doing all these things or maybe did not do all of these things and finds a tick, what, what should their first step be? So remove the tick safely. Um, so get pinchers and grab right at the head and pull okay. it up or get a tick twister. Oh, The name of yes. it to lift it off. Don't burn it. Don't put Vaseline on it. Remove no, no. it. If you find the tick, keep it. Save it. Send the tick in to be tested. There's a couple of different websites you can mm-hmm. send to tickreport.com and technology is another one. The results come back within a couple of days and they'll test for Lyme and the co-infections. And okay. you can get, depending on how much you want to pay, you can get more info. Info. But it's much easier to find it in the tick than it is in you. Okay. So if you find a tick, get the tick tested. And as soon as you find out if there's something going on, then there, treat yourself for it. Okay. Um, get it, find a doctor who knows what they're doing and will treat you long enough for it. If you see a bullseye rash, get treated immediately with a month, mm-hmm. a month of medicine. The bug's life is 28 days, so you have to take medicine for at least as long as the life cycle of the bug. Interesting. Yeah, if you only do it for two weeks, you're not going to get them all. <gasps> yeah, so you've got to do it for a month. Really. <laughs> um, you know, and and be mindful. Be mindful of it, but if you find a tick, save it and get the tick tested. Don't take it to your doctor because okay. the, the tests that the doctor does usually are just going to say what kind of tick it is. It's not going to test for the infections in the ticks. You have to send the tick to a place that's going to actually test for the infections. Um, and I do just want to mention, oh, what happened? I do just want to mention um, that Holly Tootin at U of I, she will test ticks for free if you send them to her because okay. she's doing a research study. Ooh. So I need um, that information. I can actually I can give you that information. She's amazing. She's also researching right now um, Lyme disease in mosquitoes as well. And I know she's finding like a very high. This was actually as of last year in August at the research dinner I host at my house. She spoke. 
and um, I connected with her after, and she was saying that like a third of the mosquitoes that they test, or, or some like actually very high number, come back positive for um, Lyme bacteria, which no. I just yeah that was like, crazy. <laughs> so she's like looking. Thankfully, somebody's looking into it. Yeah. Um, she's also a Global Lyme Alliance ambassador, so I trust her, and I I'm hoping she'll co- I'm gonna try to shake her down to come back and speak this yeah. year, but um, try to shake you down too for that. Um. And then this is not, or maybe it is Lyme related, but maybe not directly. I don't know. Um, Something that recently I've noticed that I've gotten a lot of questions about is mold toxicity, which I personally, like, I know I've been tested for it. Thank God I don't have it um, because I've always been very, very careful because I do have a mold allergy. Um, What what is mold toxicity and what should people look for if they feel like maybe they have it? So that's... That's an hour-long podcast in and of itself. I'm okay. happy to come back Part and talk two. more about that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, mold toxicity is going to be a little different than mold allergies. Okay. Um, different kind of reactions that you're going to get. Now, you can have both. You can have allergic reactions to mold, but also the mold toxin issues or these mycotoxins, as they're called, um, are generally from bacteria or mold, sorry, that grow in buildings, sick buildings. Um, so generally, you're going to get exposed from a water leak or something that you don't know even necessarily that can happen in your house and those toxins get into your system and some people have a really hard time excreting the toxins and full of toxins you're going to get sick Mm -hmm. and genetics play a role in it and the rest of what's going on in your system plays a role in it so if you have Lyme and you get mold toxicity maybe hit harder than someone that has got it doesn't have Lyme um and a lot of the symptoms overlap with Lyme so it gets really complicated and confusing right and tricky yeah to try and figure it out um sometimes in one of the key points to to think about and not everyone's going to know this so it it doesn't always help but if you're if you feel worse when you're in a particular location so if you're always worse when you're at work or if you're always worse when you're at home and then you leave for two weeks and you feel so much better and you come back home and you immediately start feeling sick again Mm -hmm. it may be something in your home and in your environment that's making you sick um most Lyme's just feel crummy no matter what. So, but yeah. there may be an exacerbation. Okay. Um, and the the other one that I will look for, like a key differentiator, which I can kind of see sometimes, is the fatigue is often a sleepy, I can't keep my eyes open kind of fatigue. Not a I'm a weak, run down, would just rather be in bed, yeah. or I'm so tired but I can't sleep kind of thing. It's a my eyelids are heavy and I'm I can't keep them open kind of sleepy. So it's a okay. little different. Um, generally speaking. So sometimes those things will kind of help differentiate what's going on. Um, but it's all about detox and trying to kind of mop up all those toxins and get, okay. getting rid of the exposure and trying to find that. And sometimes finding the exposure can be really, really hard yeah. too because not everybody who tests for mold does it right. Absolutely. And I've had people had people come out three or four times to their house and then they found the big issue in their attic or whatever. So it, but you know, if you clear it out, you're going to feel better and then you can get it out of your system and you'll feel better. Okay. That makes yeah. sense. And may, I might actually take you up on a part two sure. on this um, because I think it's something, it's like the tip of the iceberg that, and a lot of people are starting to find out that they have this and I don't understand it. I don't know if even people that are diagnosed really understand it. So considering that they're asking me who has no medical background, <laughs> I'm like, I don't, I'm the wrong person. Um, Okay, so second to last question before I get to wrapping this up. In your opinion, and as a medical professional, 
there, I feel like we're seeing a ton of research studies come out, right? Which is great because we really need it. What do you think that these nonprofits and um, the people funding this research, like what should we be focusing on when it comes to Lyme, co-infections, et cetera? I think the thing that would help me the most is a really easy, accurate, and affordable test. Okay. And that I know would be the best. I know that's something um, Global Lyme Alliance announced at their New York Gal in August. They have a test that's 90% accurate and they're working to get it the rest of the way to 10%. So fingers crossed. Yeah. Um, all right. So I am almost done torturing you for <laughs> nonsense. This has been fun <laughs> in the limelight. And I always like to end this on a positive note because, as we discussed before, it can be hard sometimes with these really heavy conversations to remember all the good in the world. So I just wanted to know from you, who is someone that you greatly admire and why? Yeah, I didn't spend enough time really thinking about this question <laughs> when you asked me ahead of time. Because it's tough because there's a lot of people that I admire for a lot of different reasons. Okay. Um, from some of my really good friends whom you don't know. So yeah. saying that person's name isn't necessarily going to help like ex- kind of explain where it is. But... One of the people in my life who has helped me in my medical career and my mother career and in that kind of frame, um, she's was one of the first full-time family medicine doctors in like county outside of Atlanta, Georgia. She was one of the first, if not the first integrative practitioner in the state mm-hmm. of Georgia. Um, and she's become a really good mentor of mine. Her name is Dr. Ellie Campbell. Okay. Um, she's not a Lyme focused doctor by any means, um, but she has her own practice. So, and she's a mom and she's been doing this since it was a thing to do. And so having that resource available to watch somebody who's gone through it all and can kind of help guide me on the way has been invaluable that's so important um and to see her flourish and watching how happy she is and like her practice is exploding and she's getting a new place and all it gets it's really cool to watch and see somebody else do it yeah and so knowing that I don't have to do it all by myself and I can have a mentor who can help me not only with the business aspect, but also the functional medicine aspect of it and Mm -hmm. um, making connections and what else to learn and where to go and, you know, all of that to have somebody there. And, and she does it with such a plump. She's just so happy (laughs) and kind and giving and loving. And, you know, I, you know, we strive for that kind of experience and that kind of outpouring of love. Um, she's a really remarkable woman. And I will tell you that I now have a handful of friends that um, where you are their doctor and they that's like exactly how they describe you. Yeah. So it's like, as soon as you said that, I was like, I have to tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> well, so. that's, that's, it's wonderful to hear. It's nice to hear that, that people are getting better. Yes, they are. Yeah. And, um, and they enjoy you as a person, as a friend as you know a doctor and I think that's a really big thing 
because not everyone, you know, can say that even if they are getting better. <laughs> so Dr. Kelly, if people want to connect with you, where, they, where can they find you? So our website is caseintegrativehealth.com. Um, and that's probably the easiest way. Perfect. We're temporarily located, located in Logan Square in Chicago, and we're going to be moving to West of the West Loop Woo-hoo. in Kinsey Corridor um, in the fall. So that's we'll exciting. have a great place that we're building out, and we're really excited about There's going to be windows and views of the city, and it's going to be relaxing and healing and wonderful, and we're Good. really excited about it. I'm well, also I'm on excited. Facebook, so you can check me out there. I'm not a big, huge social media person, so I've I'll got to get you on now, social media. Yeah. I know, I know. <laughs> Um, but those are the two places that are the easiest places. I'm going to start like a Dr. Kelly fan account. (laughs) There's going to see a pop up one day. (laughs) Uh, Okay. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. I will drop a few links um, in the bio in the comments so you can find Dr. Kelly and some of her resources. So thank you so much for joining us today on in the limelight. And um, thank you to our listeners for tuning in. And I will see you, or I guess listen to you, in two weeks.